Tobias Valley Avenue. This is Spielpot.com, The Week in Georgia, in English, coming to you from high above Tbilisi's spinal cord, catty corner from the opera. This is Thursday, the 14th of June, 2018. On this date, in 1287, Kublai Khan's army defeats the forces of Nestorian Christian rebel prince Nayan in Manchuria. 1381, the rebels of the Peasants' Revolt burn officials' houses in London. Awesome. Storm the prisons, take the Tower of London, and meet with 14-year-old King Richard II. 1821, the Funj Sultanate of Sener in parts of modern Sudan, Ethiopia, and Eritrea falls to the Albanian Ottoman commander Muhammad Ali after putting up no resistance. 1830, 34,000 French soldiers land on the Algerian coast. Algiers will fall three weeks later, and French will rule for the next 132 years. 1846, 33 uh, American uh, immigrants from Mexico to America declare independence of the California Republic north of what is now San Francisco. The Republic will shortly merge into the United States during the American-Mexican War. 1941, the June deportation begins in the Baltics, preceding the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union. Nearly 100,000 people are displaced. Many died. The day is now marked as Baltic Freedom Day and the Day of Mourning and Commemoration. 1982, Argentine forces surrender to the British on East Falkland, ending the Falklands War. Birthdays are 1811, Harriet Beecher Stowe, whose book Uncle Tom's Cabin is still read in Georgia, unlike the United States for the most part. In 1928, Argentine revolutionary leader Che Guevara. And in 1946, U.S. President Pendejo Donald Trump. I'm your host, Mark Mullen, and we will we have two very, very special guests. Incredibly exciting. This is gonna blast our previous listenership records through the roof. We have Tabilpod.com mascot, chief priest, and lawgiver Will Dunbar. Great to be back. And a new person who has lived in Tbilisi forever. I have known since the day I got here, lawyer, smart guy, and Georgian patriot, Ted Jonas. Hello, Mark. And listeners. If you'd like to comment on the forum or ask a question, go to tbilpod.com. That's tblpod.com. Or send us an email at tbilpod at gmail.com. Um, welcome to send anonymous fan messages to our guests um, or me um, or any questions that you want us to answer further about uh, what the events that are undoubtedly going to happen in the uh, next few days. Prime Minister Georgi Kvitakashvili resigned yesterday following a Tuesday meeting with, speaking of chief priests and lawgivers, Bitsina Ivanishvili and other Otsneba leaders. He had been in that position since December 2015 and previously served as Minister of Economy, Foreign Minister, and First Deputy Prime Minister. There were rumors that Kvitakashvili and four of his ministers would resign over the fallout from recent arrests, although he said a few days ago he's not going to resign. But reports are now saying that the resignation came after a spat over, and I say with air quotes, economic policy. When the prime minister resigns, the entire government resigns. So all cabinet members are now acting ministers. Well, I mean, this is kind of makes a mockery of, uh, of what the Georgian dream has been saying for, since Bidzina eventually resigned as prime minister in late 2013. Um, so it now becomes completely apparent the, the idea of a shadow government is now over. We just have the government government. It's very clear who calls the shots. Um, and I think it's kind of, if you think about the landslide victory that the Georgian dream won in November 2016, that was an election that basically said, here is Kirikashvili, he's a credible guy, he's a force for stability, he's delivering some economic growth, vote for him. And the Georgian people overwhelmingly did vote for him. And the fact that he's essentially been booted out halfway through the term is technically constitutionally perfectly legal, but it makes a mockery of the democratic wishes of the Georgian people. 
Um, and uh, and that's a huge problem for me. And the, the, the bigger problem is that the guy that really runs the country, Bedino Yifanashvili, he's not going to become prime minister, or at least I very much doubt it. Um, and he'll continue to be the head of the Georgian Dream Party. But essentially, he is in a position where he cannot be unelected. He cannot be kicked out by the voice of the people. Um, and that, I think, is very dangerous. And for all the progress that Georgia's made in recent years in terms of democracy and freedom and having a lighter touch government than we were used to under the national movement, that is a fundamental uh, existential problem for the Georgian Dream government. And I think this just emphasizes that. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, the the issue with this government is that uh, it, the the person who exercises the real power is not in an official position. And when you compare uh, this government to the former government, on the one hand, it is a more benevolent government in a lot of ways. I would argue it's actually a more effective government on economics. But the big flaw with it, as a state and definitely as a democracy, is that the person who's responsible or the, the person who's not responsible, the person who has the power, uh, doesn't have a position of responsibility, and that's Bezina Ivanishvili. Well, you know, as the British say, well, hang on, you know, what if people like that? I mean, what if people are okay with that? I mean, if most people's number predominant goal is that if, if the majority or let's say half or even an enormous plurality of Otsneba supporters, their main goal is just to make sure that the that Misha and the Mishists and that team don't come back. And if this serves to do that, who cares? He keeps he keeps designating his prime ministers and, you know, I mean, why not? Why, why doesn't this work? I think it's been I think it has been OK for a while, but it's there. There uh, the tolerance of the public for it is running out and for good reason. And I think if you look at um, NDI polls uh, and IRI polls consistently. They say that either Bidzina eventually should take it a formal. Do you think he takes part in, uh, is a sort of, what is, what's the word, Emnon's grease in politics? Most people say yes. Most people then say that's not a good thing. Um, so if you ask, the, if you, you know, opinion polls suggest that Jordan people are not reconciled to the idea of having uh, a great But, but let's be practical. No, to be practical about it, to be practical about it. I think the fact is that, that um, having the real power behind the government, not in the government, undermines the effectiveness of the government. And we are seeing this in the breakout of resistance on uh, the courts. And actually, the economic issue that they are citing is not a minor thing. There was a UNICEF report that came out three or four days ago, which I was appalled at. I was amazed that the poverty level that it is showing in Georgia... 20% of the Georgian population is living on 85 lari a month or less. That is below, that's the poverty line. And the, and the minimum standard of living, uh, for a good standard of living for a household, is 600 lari a month. One out of five kids are living on less, on, uh, below the poverty line. And it's I like think, African numbers. Yes, and I, and, I think, and I think that, in fact, there really was an uproar in the government uh, over those poverty figures. So the, the, the point that I'm just making there is that I think that that the that Bidzina being uh, that the fact that the person who is actually the power behind the government is not in the government causes the government to be ineffective. The prime minister is not able to marshal the government to accomplish certain things. I personally think that Kritikashvili was about as good as it gets, and from a, the businesses in this country like Kritikashvili a lot. And but as long as you have this situation, I don't see how any person 
can do a better job. Well, I, I don't, I mean, regarding the, the, the UNICEF report, um, I mean, I think that, you know, in, that would be great if a, some Georgian government ever gave a damn at all about any report written in English by a giant international organization. But I don't, I've never, ever seen that to happen ever. Um, and I think in this particular case, you know, from uh, my substantial network, what I've heard is that the big meeting that they had, they all yelled at each other about who said what in the demonstrations and who supported whom or didn't and, you know, who screwed up and didn't. And then what they agreed was the message afterwards is everyone go out and say we talked about the UNICEF report because it was so horrible, but it was never mentioned in the meeting. And then everyone went out and said, we, you know, we talked about the UNICEF report the whole time and then everyone said, what about it? And everyone was like, uh, it was bad. It uh, may, you know. That may be true, but it's something that they need to be talking about. Well, okay, but they <laughs> should, well it's sure. kind of like, okay, look, it's, it, you know, it's just like this sort of, um, you know, hidden hand running the government. I mean, it's not a hidden hand anymore. It's a completely, <laughs> well, right, okay. completely the formerly hand. hidden hand, the <laughs> completely <laughs> visible hand that has no responsibility. Yes, okay, I totally agree with you, but I would say, look, look, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't think that people care about that. I think if you ask them in a survey, they'll say, yeah, that's wrong. They've heard the, you know, they've heard the Misha say that that's wrong. It is wrong. And for, you know, big-brained, experienced, you know, analysts like ourselves, we realize the problem with that. I think for the majority of Georgians, they don't care that much. They care about the judiciary. They care about the criminal justice system. They care about the economy. They care about poverty. They care about jobs. But this thing, they don't care about that But much. I think those yeah. are practical effects. Right. No, I absolutely agree with you. Yes. I absolutely agree with you. And I don't want this to be construed as not agreeing with you. I just don't know that the, 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 that... that the practical effects that that connection is made by by most of the Georgian public. Now, related to UNICEF, though, I think that like this issue, you know, of of right now they have, you know, this Otsneba yelling match that they had in the meeting, and you know, and who said what, and you know, and and, and all of this related to, um, you know, who was being called, you know, Soros's puppy dogs, and all of, you know, and all of this different. What is it? That's the problem with this is that that's what it's all about because somebody who is unelected and you can't get rid of is sort of, you know, is arbitrating all of these different uh, different things, you know. And so when what they should be talking about is how to, how to you know, deal with these poverty issues. What I think the, the real issue is is corruption and that corruption is starting to show up now. Now, I absolutely agree that Kavita Kashvili is, has been a, you know, a reasonably good prime minister, that there's been a sort of steady hand on the helm more or less with the economy, there's not the like, you know, arbitrarily this business because we don't like you or because you look at somebody wrong at a party has to right. give us a million bucks or build this building or whatever else. Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, that that is true. On the other hand, there are a lot of arbitrary policies and there is also starting to be a substantial amount of corruption. I mean, I'm not naming names or anything, but, you know, Mr. 10 percent Kumsishvili and, you know, and whatever else like there's just lots of, you know, kind of discussions about corruption beginning yes. to show up. Yes, I agree. But I also think, just to go back about the, the people of Georgia, how they feel about it, I think, you know, may, maybe you're right that this isn't one of the top five issues. But at the same time, there's only so many times that uh, Bidzina can just dump uh, an entire government for the, because of internal political discussions of which the people know nothing without people saying enough is enough. And I think enough is now very much and, enough. And Georgians do, as, you, as we both know from our long experience here, Georgians do get tired. They want a strong man. They want a single leader. And then they get tired of that person after about 10 years. And I think that that's starting to happen. So we got four years. With, well, <laughs> yeah. But it's so. But, but they may be running out the clock. So you know, one other thing that I thought was very interesting was how explicit Kashvili was, not only about 
why he was resigning, which was because of disagreements with the party leader, but also the fact that the party leader would appoint his successor. Mm-hmm. He was very explicit about yeah. that. Right. There was yeah, I, even, that was, there was interesting. There I was, was very surprised even, by that. Yeah, the rumor says he may start his own party. There was, um, there was, there was not even a pretense right. that, the, that the parliamentary majority would deliberate on the subject and pick somebody, which is right. the way it's supposed to work. Well, that's this question about a new party or whatever else is quite interesting because, you know, it's the Christian Democrats thing, you know. Like you know, Giga Bokeria's like you know, Yorgi Targamadze's pocket party. Like you know, they would love to have their own opposition. They realize that there's an incredible number of sort of uninspired and unaffiliated voters, and can they can they have a new party that they could you know? So has this whole thing been arranged? Like you know, is is Kritika really going to say like I'm going to have my new kinder, gentler political movement that you know the, the the national movement and the Mishas and whatever else you know will be there forever and will never rise above their current threshold. You know, then you've got the sort of Kremlin crowd, you know, and the knuckle draggers and whatever else, you know, and it's never a, a sizable portion of them. Yeah, I mean, there's where does that it, it's over 50 percent. I mean, where does that group go? It's possible. It? It's absolutely possible. And there's no question. I mean, one of the things about Bizan Ivanishvili is he has been incredibly effective at destroying other political parties. And, and I think that he's able to do that because of his money. And because of his power. Well, M- Misha was pretty good at that, too, until he wasn't. I think that, I think Beijing is even better at it, because he does it through more subtle means, and I think he does it with his money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so who's going to be the next prime minister? Um, you know? The smart money is on Gogi Gaharia, the, uh, the current minister of interior, or acting minister of interior. Um, but there are also those that feel that he's rather blotted his copybook, given recent... Uh, you know, scandals to do with the criminal justice system. So it's... Uh, he was pretty clever the way he dealt with that, uh, you know, the, 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 the group out front. You know, it's kind of like you had the, the Bassini crowd, yeah. you know, and then they, you know, call in the knuckle dragger crew and then be like, hey, I'm on your side, but it's really dangerous. I, yeah, but I don't... I, I'm, I'm, I still don't buy into the idea that the government arranged the fascist uh, appearance at that rally. Uh, um, I know a lot of people believe that. I but don't know. I'm, I'm, they certainly took advantage of it. If they arranged it or not, it's slightly beside the point, we'll never know, but they certainly took advantage of it, and as you saw with the subsequent rallies about Sarah Lidzay, the fact that those same fascists, who are amorphous groups of loosely aligned people, it's not like they carry membership cards, yeah. uh, the, the fact that they were mobilised um, in counter-demonstrations well, that's Sarah Lidzay, what, uh, yes. certainly indicates the government, but, but, even if they didn't do it deliberately first, has learned but, its lesson, but and knows that mobilising okay, people... They would have shown up, you're, you're right, but I can tell you that those people would have eagerly shown up at the Bassiani rally and, on their own yeah, initiative. Sure, okay, right. they didn't need that's anybody that's to that's tell right. them to go. I, but yeah. I, if you want to talk about the, the prime minister candidates, I mean, my uh, this is probably the kind of thing one shouldn't say publicly, because, but but let's say that I, I personally... Okay, this is not public. Nobody listens to this. Yeah, okay. I personally think Gahari is the best candidate. Of, of the names that are mentioned, I think that Gahari is the best candidate. Again, I come at this from business experience. He was the business ombudsman. Um, I dealt with him as, when, on a couple of cases personally and directly when he was business ombudsman. Uh, a lot of other people have much more than me. It, to my knowledge, and I can certainly talk about my own experience, people who have dealt with him personally like him. He he does what he says. He delivers. He's I think the, I think the biggest problem that he has in terms of getting a spot is that he may be a little bit more independent than uh, than is called for at this moment. Could be. Um, the other possibility is uh, Bachtadze. Yeah. You know, the uh, future son-in-law that evidently doesn't know Bidzina's daughter, you know, according to his more, you know, most recent comment. I don't yeah. know. You know, that's – talk about that. He's certainly more likely to be, you know, 
on team. Well, the and the other, is, and the other possibility I think is Kumsishvili. I, I just I, to put it in the most diplomatic way possible. I don't think that either of them are as good as Gachadia. But there's there's a deeper candidates. There's, there's um, not a t- terribly deep bench. Um, as no, they say, no. Maya Skitsashvili, you know, able administrator. Um, you know, I mean, able administrator. I don't know much. Kiss of death in Georgian politics. If anyone <laughs> ever calls you a good manager in Georgian politics, it's time to dust down the old LinkedIn. But um, but no, I, mean, I think really that uh, whoever it is going to be, that it just creates another bind for Georgian Dream because whoever they appoint as prime minister now means that someone they can't uh, nominate for president in the autumn. And that's uh, the so that's the next very significant. Well, that's going to be. But that, it's decided. Test. That's that's Mamouka Khazaradze, right? Because that's almost certainly not. I think that's. Well, that. well who's going to beat Margulashvili? I mean, he wants to run. He well, Margulashvili run is a big question. He, he apparently he told a group of people the other day that he's absolutely uh, ruling it out. But he says a lot of things, so who knows? Um, so I mean, who's yeah? Who's going to run on either side? But certainly, the Georgian Dream need to win that election. Otherwise, they're really in trouble. Bankers are not popular. <laughs> why would you do it? No, that's America, though. No, no. Why would you do it? Really? Believe me. Of course yes. not. Everyone has a loan. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you do it if you were someone like Hazaradze? What's in it for you? Especially because now, after all this stuff with Saranidze, you might lose. Right. Um, there's literally nothing in it for uh, for a guy like Hazaradze. So I don't see it. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Right. But whoever they find appoint, another soccer player. But whoever they appoint now is someone they can't nominate for president, and so that just binds them closer and closer into a corner, and it makes the autumn when things heat up again politically I, I even more difficult. The, the I prime minister they're going to choose is going to be the one that's not going to get them in trouble or who they think will not get them in trouble. That's probably Bakhtadze. All right. Two more people have been arrested in connection to December's uh, uh, Chorava street murders when two boys were stabbed to death outside at Tbilisi Public School number 51. Two weeks ago, the court found nobody guilty of one of the deaths, which caused a lot of protests and controversy. The, justice to, uh, the Ministry of Justice uh, is accused of orchestrating a cover-up. Mirza's Subeliani, a former prosecutor's office employee, is charged with failure to report a crime. He apparently already admitted his guilt. His nephew, Mikhail Kalandia, is the, is the main witness in the case. Merab Morchadze, a friend um, of one of the murder suspect's father, is accused of coercing Kalandia into changing his testimony to say that the suspect did not have a knife. Zaza Saralidze, the father of one of the dead boys and, and protest leader, welcomed the arrest but says that they should face uh, future charges. Uh, further charges um, of concealing evidence. He also called for anyone who participated in the cover-up um, to be uh, charged, including the prosecutors. So tell us about the big picture, Teto, because you've written about this and know a lot of stuff about this this area. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what I've, I've said before on this and in that article I wrote is that the, the, the Georgian legal system, as it is today, works reasonably well on unimportant cases and unchallenging cases. Whenever an important case comes up, whether it is a high-profile murder case like this one or a major tax case involving a business, um, then the system can't handle the strain and the institution breaks down and and personal influence, possibly even bribes in some cases, uh, get involved. And this but case, isn't, isn't that a system that's working exactly as intended under Shepard Nadze, under Misha, and under Bidzina? That well, this is what's supposed to happen? Yes, and that's, of course, the problem, is that all three of those governments have used the legal system, the judicial system, for their own purposes and have not wanted it to be truly independent or truly free of corruption, both. And uh, under Shepard Nadze, sta- it was characterized mostly by corruption, 
under the UNM government, it was characterized mostly by state control and a lack of corruption. Under this government, it's characterized by normal functioning in the broad center, but influence of money and influence of state power on important uh, cases. And, um, and I think that, that this case was, as, as I said in that article too, the strong reaction of Georgians, I think, surprised many expats. We didn't realize how much uh, domestic resentment, how much the resentment of Georgians was building uh, about the legal system. But the case really, you know, exposed how there's all this uh, uh, chalichi, as Georgians say, all this manipulation that goes on in the background in a case like this. And the fact that after the protests, um, when the government reopened the case, and you have to point out that the justice minister, Tsulukiani, was defending the prosecutor and defending the prosecution and defending the investigation she, in and fact, saying, I'm she not going to praise Mesa Subeliani yeah. for resigning when he resigned yes. in December. And then her own government has, in subsequent days, in reopening the investigation, shown that she was wrong in everything that she said, and she was defending the indefensible, and now they have indicted more people. So the system is, is opening up. The bottom line is that uh, there must be, the, the, the top ranks of the judicial and legal administration in this country have to be replaced with people who are committed reformers, and that is the chief prosecutor, that is the minister of justice, and that's the top Let's the say whole of the, the High Council of Justice. At least the top five officials on the High Council of Justice. And they have to be replaced by people like, you know, a Dato Usupashvili or an Ana Dolidza uh, or a Georgi Chaidza, people who are truly committed to, to legal reform. And but, see, so, but all of those people have been loudly and directly criticized by all of the people who would put them in those positions. Correct. That's, so. But that's that. That again is part of the. This government. There's no question. This government would have to make an unprecedented compromise or action against its own interests. Something that no Georgian government. Term interest, no, yes, right. so, against its short term interest, against short its parochial right. interest. Something exactly. that no Georgian government has ever done. If they do it, it will prove that they really are smarter than the governments that came before them. I actually think that this government has in many ways been smarter than its predecessors, you know, in terms of how it has behaved. They have learned certain lessons for all of their faults. If they were to make this kind of a major change or compromise against their uh, parochial interests, it would be the smartest thing they could do. We talk about how long the Georgians have a tolerance for a government. The way to really extend their lease on life would be that kind of a, that kind of a compromise and that kind of a reform. Interesting. I, I, mean, I, I, I don't, I'm afraid, I'm slightly pessimistic about the chance of that happening because I think uh, in the current uh, climate, they've been back, they've backed themselves into a corner through manipulation of the justice system yeah. and so on. And so any loosening up threatens to bring the whole house of cards down. One of the reasons they held on to Mirza Subiliani for so long, who's just some no-name prosecutor, unless you're really yeah. into the inside baseball. That's the way the system works. Because he knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah. That guy knows where the other bodies There's so many bodies buried, that the minute you start pulling the thread, the whole thing unravels. But what I want to add to what you, Ted was saying is that obviously there are these very high-profile cases, such as this Horaba Street thing and such as various tax cases, but actually it goes deeper, and that's why you see the level of popular resentment. So, I mean, I can just name a few things. 
the uh, the twelve year old girl who was killed in Good Hourly and uh, by a, a drunk skier. Yeah. Uh, no one wants the drunk skier to go to prison for the rest of his life, but he was found not guilty of any crime at all. Exactly. Um, Demo Stururua, the the nineteen year old or twenty year old kid in Santredia who killed himself, left a suicide note saying, this policeman has forced me to suicide by getting me to plant drugs on other people and tell other people. Uh, his That policeman was found completely innocent of all things, yep. and the mother was pressurised into changing her testimony in the courtroom. So these things happen all over the country in things that aren't high profile, and that's why you get this resentment, because everybody knows a story like this. Georgia still has the third highest prison population per capita in yep. Europe, so everyone knows someone that's in prison, and everyone knows someone that's in prison for probably the wrong reasons. I agree with you. I think one, one of the reasons why foreigners are, are clueless about this is that is that the news and the discussion goes on entirely in Georgian on these cases and on these subjects. Yeah, that's, even, that's and, certainly and, true. I mean, I know with under Misha's government, I mean, I had dealing with uh, plea bargaining cases uh, related to friends of family members. You yes, know, I, I you know I, I had to too. deal with a lot of those. Me too. And uh, boy, you know, you you get, once you know how the sausages are made, I mean, it really makes you think about yeah. that. And I think the number that I had to deal with, I mean, yeah. it was. Hmm. That was actually what gave me – it was exactly that situation of family friends who approached us for help because they were prosecuted on some stupid charge and had to go into plea bargaining that I got a sense of – that was the only way I got a sense of how widespread the problem was. I mean I saw it in business cases, okay, but that's happening with the elite, but how it was affecting – Ordinary people. ordinary people. It was because of how many people contacted That's why us. You see cousins of co- cousins of cousins and friends of friends who were like, "Oh, can you guys help us?" Yeah, that's. I mean, and also um, to the, the the bigger point. I mean, less the uh, those who care about Georgia who like live their lives in uh, in English and deal with tons and tons of fluent English-speaking Georgians. Remember that Georgia happens in Georgian, yeah. um, and yeah. uh, no foreigners uh, and, and, speak it except people like Teto. Right, and, and that's what I was going to say, is that I actually I speak and read Georgian, you know, but even at, the, at my level, which is considered pretty good, it is hard to read quantities of Georgian. Absolutely, and, and I find and, that even, you know, with yeah. my Georgian, which is it, which is really good for ordering food, you know, <laughs> then there are a lot of complex foods in Georgia, yeah. you know, like, and it's, it's tough for us. We need to remember these things. Okay, relatively small group of people rallied in front of the uh, Tbilisi Parliament building on the 10th and 11th to, in support of Zazen Sadalidze. Sadalidze uh, repeated earlier calls for resignation of Minister of Justice Ted Lukiani and Interior Minister Gorgi Gaharia. Um, and for NGOs to choose the new chief prosecutor, Malchaz Machalikashvili, whose son, uh, Tamerlan, was killed in December. Uh, counterterrorism Special Operations in Pankizi also attended, calling for State Security Services Head Vahan Gomolauri and Deputy Yosef Gogashvili to face consequences for the death. Opposition party leaders from the United National Movement Labor attended but did not address the crowd. Prime Minister Kvitikashvili um, has been accused of using Facebook bots to uh, to, <laughs> to like posts supporting Justice Minister uh, Teotzulukiari, which protesters just called a shameful propaganda tool. Um, then they set up an incredibly hilarious haha campaign. Thousands of Georgians responded with haha icon to his comments. Um, then the bots responded, which happened to be from India and Pakistan, um, <laughs> causing col- incredibly funny videos to be made um, in. Uh, uh, in response that I'd encourage everybody to check out. Protesters uh, moved three tents um, 
to block off uh, traffic in Roostevelli Avenue, which uh, the two fathers said they would stay in until their demands were met. Police moved the tents back to the sidewalk, dismantled them, arrested 19 people, including Zviad Kuprava, leader of the UNM-affiliated Law Enforcement Reform Center, and Irakli Nadiradze, UNM Tbilisi City Council member. Those arrests were charged with petty hooliganism and disobedience. Kuprava was sentenced to 14 days in jail, while most of the others were released shortly after the arrest. There are reports that some protesters were drunk and fighting amongst themselves prior to the police uh, involvement. UNM MP Nika Melia was removed from the area by police physically and verbally harassed uh, officers, but was not arrested due to parliamentary immunity. Following the arrest, Saralidze announced that he would not be able to stay in the protest because he wants to be involved in the official investigation. Public defender Nina Lomjadia called attentist mantling disproportional interference in the exercise of rights of free expression. Small protest movement will continue in front of Parliament, though, with a large rally um, planned for sometime later next week. Sadalidze specifically noted that they were timing the rally to be after the end of Ramadan this Friday so that um, Machali Kashvili could participate. Another protest led by a group for freedom will meet on Friday in front of Tbilisi Public Service Hall to call for Justice Minister Tulukiani's resignation. State Security Services opened an investigation of some remarks made by Malchaz uh, Machali Kashvili in May, when he said, quote, several hundred of my people had sworn to go to the State Security Service building and detonate ourselves there, end quote, (laughs) but that he had changed the plan, quote, because of his dear Georgian people in order not to harm ordinary officers, end quote. Pulling that back a little bit there, he later (laughs) took back his words saying that he had said them at an emotional time. He then tried to say that rather than hundreds of people planning on blowing themselves up, he had meant that he had planned to blow himself up among hundreds of people. Um, The Georgian National Platform for the Eastern Partnership Civil Society Forum, a group of 50 NGOs, released a statement expressing extreme concern over the uh, Khorava murder case and calling for a timely and just investigation um, identification of fundamental deficiencies in the prosecutor's office and deep institutional reforms. The hardest working NGO in the caucus of Transparency International, Georgia, released a statement with a smaller coalition of NGOs demanding the resignation of the chief prosecutor before Parliament's investigating coalition begins working. Didn't the chief prosecutor already resign? Well, yes, but that was before. Oh, okay. no, no. Now we have to act on it. Right. Uh, Marne Uli Mayor and Otsneba member Temur Abazov and United National Movement MP Azer Suleimanov has been charged with inhumane and degrading treatment and assault in relation to videos circulating on the internet that appear to show a man being forced to wipe his face with his own urine um, and apologize for insulting Otsneba officials. The victim apparently attended a recent rally in Tbilisi in support of Zaza Saralidze and was recorded saying, fuck 41, do not vote for 41, only five, we should bring back five, referring respectively to Otsneva and the United National Movement, their numbers on the uh, on the ballot. He went on to ins- insult Mayor Abazov, Bidzina Ivanishvili, and both of their wives. After returning to Marnauli, um, a UNM member reportedly asked to meet him at the UNM headquarters, where um, and there, at which point he was asked, about the video by Suleimanov and then beaten. He was then apparently uh, handed off to Otsneba members of the city council who took him to Mayor Abazov at a restaurant where Abazov reportedly spat on the victim's face, beat him up, made him apologize and insult his own wife on Facebook Live, then pee in a cup and spread it all over his face. Abazov has been arrested and faces up to 10 years in jail. Three associates have been arrested on group assault charges and faced up to two years in jail. MP Suleimanov has not been arrested due to parliamentary immunity. 
Um, Suleimanov claims that the charges are a provocation against him and that the victim is actually an Otsneva activist. Crazy things happen in Monoli. Yeah, and absolutely. I think when you said that you said that Georgia happens in Georgia, well, in Monoli, Georgia happens in Azerbaijan, <laughs> and uh, and that's why it's even more difficult to to follow what's going on down there. But what is certainly true is that uh, one of the good things about the the UNM government was their effort to engage ethnic minority populations, and they had notable success among the Azerbaijani community, which is why there's there's for the first time probably ever. Uh, in districts from a party which are pro- predominantly populated by Azerbaijanis, there is real politics now. Um, and unfortunately, that real politics does often, it seems, take a, a kind of violent and uh, a nasty turn, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's still uh, some, some degree of progress over what pertained there before. Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, the great uh, thing about that is, is that the, the, the politics before was just, you know, competition to express loyalty to the sitting regime. But at least my experience with, uh, with, with Azeris, and, and not just in, in, uh, in Marnoli and Cajeti, but Azeris in Tbilisi, mm-hmm. you know, multilingual and hyper-educated uh, Azeris is that, uh, the, that, you know, not necessarily Misha himself, but that side of the political spectrum is still, uh, you know, is still quite... Um, quite popular. Uh, yeah, and actually, to be honest, you could say the same thing probably about the Armenian community yeah. as well, that, that the UNM was uh, popular with the Armenian community um, and that was popular with the Armenian community as well. And there's still a lot of support, I think, for the UNM among the Armenian community. But at the same time, and I think that, you know, the truth is that that all Georgian governments have you know, you can view this cynically or you can view this with some respect. I mean, all Georgian governments have have recruited MPs and party activists from among the ethnic populations of Kremo Kartli and Javakheti, the Armenians and the Azeris. Uh, and so we have a situation now where there are Otsneba Armenians and Azeris and there are UNM Armenians and Azeris. And there's real, po- as you said, there's real politics beginning to develop among them. Yeah, but I mean, I will say this about, um, and unlike Will, I am in no way a Mishist, you know, but I will say that under the, uh, the, the, the previous regime that when a independently powerful and important Georgian um, official and sometimes not sort of central official, but in the arts community or whatever else would make some you know, annoying, aggressive comment about Armenians. Sturua. exactly. <laughs> yes. Or others, you know, and other yeah. stuff like that, that retaliation was swift and brutal. And yeah. that is not the case with, uh, right. you know, with, with Otsneba. The Otsneba, there's a lot of cracks that are made about things and that, that just sort of, you know, somebody will make a comment like, oh, well, you know, well, we're, and, we're a big ten. And not only that, as Will and I know, because we've both been involved in this, the, the, the Georgian Orthodox Church has just been running rampant yeah. uh, over the religious and cultural rights of the Armenian community in Georgia. Uh, and that is something that has definitely uh, kicked up a gear over the, ever since 2012. And I think you can say there's a myriad faults with the UNM government. But one of the things that you can is that, is that it can say to their credit is that they did, as much as is possible in Georgia, issue ethnic chauvinism. Um, and that's something that the current guys have been much more reluctant to do. And that's a great right. shame. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to thank you for using the word to chew, you know, which we don't get on this podcast <laughs> as frequently as we should. And that's, you know, that's why we miss you. Man. No, I mean, but, I, nobody in San Francisco knows that word. And, know, and, but we do, we do chew back. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, listen. Speaking about uh, chewing tobacco, um, the Mountain Road. Um, so, uh, what give, you know? Talk to us a little bit about the uh, about the Mountain Road. What's the update? Good things, bad things, and why is the Asian Development Bank funding this thing? And how come there's not protests about this of the substantial right. Georgian community in Manila? You know, like come on. So, so there are two there are two Mountain Roads actually that people are concerned about right now. Uh, let's call it the little one and the big one. Uh, the little one uh, is funded by the Georgian government itself because no international financial institutions, I think, would touch it. Because it's crazy. Because it's crazy. The big one has a, has a stronger justification and a stronger rationale and is being heavily funded by the Asian Development Bank. So let's talk about the first one. The, the first one, the smaller one that the government is funding, um, is, is really crazy. It will, it will go from snow, which is in Chevy, near Kazbegi, and it will Where go, the patriarch is from. That's yeah. right. That's right. And it will go east up to Juta, then over the pass into Chevsereti at Roshka. Then it will connect with an existing road. Then it goes over the mountains again from Shatili to Omalo into Sheti. Then it would go down into Pankisi. The problem with this is that in the Tusheti part, it would be cutting right across uh, a protected area, a national park, which is part of a European uh, emerald uh, islands mm-hmm. uh, or emerald center uh, system. It would violate international agreements. It would violate Georgian legislation on protected areas. So the, it's also, the, I mean, it's also physically crazy. So what we're yeah. talking about here is a road that traverses something like four or even five three thousand meter passes. Yeah, yeah man, we've been road, walking around in there, man. I don't like you know yeah, looking no. at how Georgian roads are built. Even in much less yes. complex yeah. areas, like this, I this, this, this would not last one winter, right? You don't. Um, you don't. The you know, basic rule is you don't build roads east west across the Caucasus because the mountains and the valleys run north south, you know, and so they will. They are bound to collapse if you do that, and you're going against essentially the grain of, of the land. You're They're, heuristically defying nature, like some sort of east, you know, yeah. crazy sort of despot. Yeah, from, yeah. Let's leave that. Leave China. that to China. Man. And yeah. there existing the justification for the road doesn't hold up. There are there are existing roads running north south that connect to up the north south canyons that connect every single one of these communities: Juta, Roshka, Shatili, Omalo. Sorry, Juta, Roshka, Shatili, Omalo that connect every one of them to major population centers or to major roads. It is not necessary to build an east-west road connecting them. On the contrary, what you do with that is you disturb an entire uh, and you disrupt an entire ecotourism industry that the locals make money on in Hevsureti and in Tusheti. Uh, and the, those existing roads that Ted mentioned are in a terrible state. And so rather than spending $80 million odd dollars or whatever it's going to cost, probably much, much more than that, uh, on this fantasy road, rehabilitate the roads and bridges right. that are, already exist and connect those, those people and, to the outside world. And as for the second one, just the big picture on that one is the bigger road, the one that the Asian Development Bank is financing, is that Georgia is carrying a, a huge volume of transit truck traffic that goes north-south between the the Eurasian countries, Belarus, Ukraine, Russia, to Iran and Armenia, and then from Iran and Armenia north. And it's all going through Georgia. The Georgian government doesn't collect taxes on it, doesn't collect freight fees on it, doesn't get anything out of it. And building this road, which is turning basically the Georgian military road into a superhighway, does nothing except encourage even more this polluting and damaging freight traffic when instead they should be putting the investment into the Georgian Railroad and into the ports and moving this freight onto more environmentally sustainable and much more economically productive as far as the knock-on effects in the Georgian economy 
uh, putting it onto the railroads and in the ports instead. Hmm. Excellent. And why is the ADB like? Why don't they know that? And why? How, I mean, is they're relatively new in here? There's ways to lean on it them. It seems like. that the ADB and I think uh, the EBRD has, is also responsible for the same thing. Is that they their 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 line managers want to do deals and they want to do projects and Georgia is a place that they can do deals and projects and well they have a good return on their investment yeah. and they fulfill the criteria and I mean that's a problem with their criteria the EBRD in the case of these hydropower plants which is a whole other issue yep. the ADB in the case of these roads they you know these projects tick a certain number of boxes and they guarantee return on investment and that you know these these organisations are not. Charitable institutions. It's not the Rotary Club. Um, they're bankers. Okay, they're you know they're not privately funded bankers, but they're bankers. They set out to make a return on their investment, and these projects. Will there be is some done. distinction here, whether it's a private sector project like the HPPs or a public sector project like the roads, as far as return on investment. But the truth is that as far as the remuneration system of those bankers, they are making the money, whether it's a state project or a private sector project. And they are what 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 burns me up about it is that they are called development banks. Oh no! And they are supposed to be working on sustainable development, and they should not be jumping on short-term economic projects uh, that are thought up by politicians. They need to be thinking more strategically. I mean, that's why we call it in Georgia the Ministry of Economy and Sustainable Development. Amen, brother. I mean, so listen, listeners, the deal is like figure out a country that you're connected with and then find somebody on the board at ADB, send them a postcard, you know, to the like Dutch dude who sits on that board or whoever else and just say like, this is totally ridiculous. Take a look into this and get your little country office and EBRD or ADB. The managing director of ADB responsible for the Crescetti Kobe Road is Dutch. And what's his name? Uh, I can't remember it right now, but okay. he was in Georgia for a bunch of ribbon cutting connected to it recently. Yeah, okay. So send him, send him something. Yeah. Um, UN General Assembly adopted a Georgian-sponsored resolution reiterating the right of return of all peoples displaced from Abkhazia and South Ossetia. Those voting against... Russia, Armenia, Belarus, Burundi, Cuba, North Korea, Laos, Myanmar, Nauru, Nicaragua, Philippines, South Sudan... Sudan, Venezuela, Vietnam, and Zimbabwe. Similar resolutions have been passed every year since 2008. European Parliament is expected to adopt a non-binding resolution today entitled Georgian Occupied Territories 10 Years After the Russian Invasion. During Defense Minister Levin Zodia's visit to Brussels last week for the NATO Defense Ministerial, he also met with Croatian Defense Minister, Hungarian Defense Minister, and Ukrainian Defense Ministers. Montenegrin Foreign Minister... He's in Tbilisi for three days. He's met with Foreign Minister John Alidze, Finance Minister Bakhtadze, and attended the opening of the new Consulate of Montenegro in Tbilisi. Parliamentary Chairman Irakli Kobachidze was in Kiev on the 8th and 9th, where he met with his Moldovan and Ukrainian counterparts, Andrian Kandu, um, and some other guy with a long name. They announced the creation of a new interparliamentary assembly, which will meet for the first time in Tbilisi in the fall. Members of the European Parliament will also meet with three parliamentary leaders. Have you heard that Kobachidze is writing a book about the new constitution? That'll be a page-turner. <laughs> Pre-order that one, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just sounds hilarious. Like, well, I mean, well, I don't know. Hey, i just just wondering. But, yeah, like, let, let me know when that thing, uh, you know, like, <laughs> come, comes out. Because I'm guessing someone's wow. closet is going to have a few free copies of that sucker. Um, President of the National Assembly of Bulgaria uh, visited Georgia on the 11th, where she met with Kobachidze, signed partnership memorandum. She also met with Mark Velashvili, Kvitikashvili. John Elidze and the Patriarch, 
In addition to calls for Ted to Ted Tsulukiani's resignation related to, to the Chorava Street murders, a group of LGBT organizers is also calling for her to resign for transphobic statements made on TV on the 10th. She said that a whole set of legal, medical, and other psychological issues would have to be discussed before she could even consider permitting trans people to register as the gender they identify as. Current laws only allow gender designation to be changed after undergoing a surgical sex change and presenting a note from your doctor. <laughs> the Coalition for Independent and Transparent Judiciary, a group of 40 NGOs, proposed legislation to Parliament that would regulate the work of the High Council of Justice with the intention of preventing arbitrary decision-making and to improve its work overall. Suggested changes include a number of transparency initiatives, separation of constitutional administrative functions, and a clear appeals procedure. Um, well, on that, uh, on all those, you're going to comment on... Well, no, I mean, I just feel like, look, I mean, yeah, great. I mean, we should all be deciding how this should be dealt with, but it's, I, I really hate the term political will, because it means like, I don't know, yeah, if there's political will, then, you know, yeah, sure, it'd be great. If there, I don't, you know, I don't really even know what that means. My, but, like, fe right? my feeling about all these, I, I was involved... I mean, it's in not a technical problem. It's not like, oh, we're not sure how to reform the judiciary. Exactly. It's that we don't want to reform exactly. the judiciary. Exactly. That's why I say the solution, the only solution is you got to replace the people at the top. Because I, I was involved in this, the, the Coalition for a Transparent and Independent Judiciary some time ago, and, and the thing is, I respect it a lot, but, but the problem is that all of these technical changes and technical fine-tuning uh, is not having the desired effect because of the people who control the institutions. And, and so that's why it, it requires uh, different people uh, in controlling the institutions. Um, on the point about uh, Tsulukiani, though, even worse than um, her, her uh, anti-trans comments and, and the sort of intolerant comments that she, made, she makes was that she then subsequently used that subject to whip up hatred against those NGOs in an interview where she said in, a, in an interview on a Medi TV, these, are the, these NGOs calling for me to resign are the same ones that want to register men as women and women as men. Yeah. As they said, humans that have male sex organs as women and humans that have uh, female sex organs as men. And it was just blatantly a cheap effort to appeal exactly to the far right in Georgia uh, and the anti-European crowd and to whip them up against the hardest working NGO in Georgia, yeah. Transparency International and others like it. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I think that Tsubikiani uh, has been, uh, you know, I think she's needed to go for a long time. One of her first statements back in 2013 was um, about potentially outlawing minarets in Georgia, yeah. um, which was again. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a human rights lawyer. Yeah. I mean, and th this is someone well, is she who, a lawyer? who work right. This is a, a human uh, rights. Formerly, I'm blanking on the word used for for a person who's not really a lawyer but who's into legal stuff. Uh, uh, Paralegal, I don't juridist, know. jurist, jurist, or something like that. But. Uh, no, I mean, this is, this is really um, reprehensible conduct uh, for any minister of justice, but for somebody who claims to be a human rights lawyer, it's, it's astonishing. And so why, why in that case is she so crucial to the government? Why has she managed to, why is she still around? Well, maybe she won't be after this, uh, after this current reshuffle, but what is it that she provides that is so necessary? Bidzina likes her. <laughs> I, I, don't, I always assumed it was because Bidzina likes her, but, uh, you know, because, because she had Bidzina's support. That was the only explanation I could come up with. 
Fifth of March, uh, sorry, five of the March of Georgians activists arrested after the March assault on Rustavioti journalists and staff have been released on bail. Two others on larger uh, charges remain in pretrial custody. They were arrested for their part in protesting Rustavioti after TV host uh, Georgi Gabunia made a joke about Bizina, trees, and Jesus. They blocked his car, yelled a it wasn't lot. Really a joke. I mean, joke makes it. I mean, it was it was it was a really dumb, stupid, convoluted remark that you know he then sort of goes. It was a joke, guys, but actually it was just a really stupid thing. It was a it was, even, it was even more stupid. Well, than we, the, 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 his comment about the, the the Madonna with the gun. No, that was also pretty stupid. But he yeah. said something. I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something along the lines of, "Oh, Jesus should have been born in a jar in 2018 because then Benzina would have taken all the trees and he would have been able to make a cross." That's totally silly. Uh, I, the, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's intentionally provocative, and and it's, the greatest thing is it's not funny in my opinion. Right, it's, it's intentionally provocative. His comment about the about the Madonna with the gun, which I think is actually a perfectly valid piece of art, you know, yeah, and sure. perfectly valid to show a piece of art like that on TV. Art is provocative, and it should be provocative. But but I don't think that that it is wise in any media environment for a commentator to make remarks that are really just. They're not smart, and they're just meant to annoy people. I, I yeah. don't see how that makes sense on any Yeah, level. I mean, I, you know, yes, I agree with that, especially here now. And if you are, they better be really funny, which they weren't. Right. Um, but, anyway, they blocked his car, yelled a bunch, damaged some property, hurt Rustavioni's lawyer, who's trying to help him get away. The next hearing is on the 19th of June. Four children died and 21 were injured when a minibus full of sixth graders and their parents rolled into a ravine outside of Tbilisi. They were students from Tbilisi Public School Number 175 on an excursion to Cajeti. The driver survived and has been questioned by police. An officer from South Ossetia Special Services for, the, for Protecting High-Ranking State Officials and Buildings, that's actually a name, um, <laughs> was injured in a car accident in Skinvali last week and brought to a Tbilisi hospital for medical care. Angry rumors spread online that he might have been involved in the death of Archil Tatunashvili in February since the officer was a bodyguard for Akhalgat Gori district head Philip Kachidov, who is, is said to have been involved. The officer um, is also closely related to Akhal Gori police head Alexander Gioyev, who apparently got in an argument with Tatunashvili before his death. The Ministry of Internal Affairs has not commented on the hospitalization. For those of you who don't know, um, among Ossetian in South Ossetia, every single one of them went to the same high school and is a cousin with each other. So, I mean, these relationships are not uh, are not surprising. I mean, it's also it's also worth mentioning about this this case um, that one of the things that the Georgian Dream government had done, which I fully agree with, is uh, is the provision. I mean, it actually began under the UNM, but it's been much expanded. Provision of medical services to residents of the occupied territory with no questions asked. So basically what happened with this guy is he was in a, a car accident in Kenvali and the Red Cross just drove him straight to hospital in Tbilisi to save his life. Um, this happens on, in less dramatic circumstances every day. People come across the ABLs in both Sudini and in Gori district every single day. Um, and that is the sort of goodwill, people-to-people contacts that is the only way to solve these conflicts. And I completely salute it. And if it takes, if it gets the government some political flack because of the incredibly brutal and tragic death of Tatunashvili, then that's something that I think they should suck up because this free medical treatment is one of the only things we've got going and long may it continue. Yeah, yeah I mean, the other thing to do would be just recognize Abkhazia. What about that? Um, well, I, I think... You know, I can't, I can't I, agree with I mean, that. I, I think I can't agree with that. I think, you know... What, I mean, what, what if you say, okay, it will we'll recognize if the Russians leave, 
if we can deal with, uh, you know, right of returns or compensation, if there's visa-free travel for everybody uh, everywhere, yeah. and that Abkhazia remains neutral. Yeah, I mean, if you could look, you can spin a lot of scenarios, I think, for a settlement between Georgia and Abkhazia, and that would be one of them. What everybody, every person who's kind of an expert on this, when I discuss those kinds of scenarios with them, the answer is always Russia won't let it happen. Because because the, the status quo involving uh, a conflict, a dispute between Georgia and Abkhazia serves Russian interests, and Russia calls the shots on questions like that in this region. I, I'm normally, and through my, through my time here, have always been um, resistant to those kinds of explanations. But the thing is that over time, you have to, in a way, come to that conclusion that you know, what happens there and what kind of settlements or non-settlements happen there tend to be called by the Russians. I think there are so many ways that the Georgians and the Abkhaz could work out their problems if it wasn't for the involvement of the Russians. I think that's broadly and true. And scenarios. I think when it comes to recognition in return for a right to return or visa free travel, well, I wouldn't want to rule anything out, but that is the that is the end point of incredibly lengthy negotiations, and those negotiations have yet to begin. And one of the reasons they've yet to begin is indeed because of the Russians. But, I mean, yeah, I think you know, a sensible person wants to see the refugees respected, um, having their rights respected, in, uh, and that is, a, you know, that is a long road to follow. The truth is, actually, that, um, and I've had this confirmed really from a number of quarters, uh, Iraqli Alassania, when he was the negotiator, when Iraqli Alassania was the negotiator uh, for the UNM government with Abkhazia in 2005 and 2006, actually had a deal with the Abkhaz for return of Georgian IDPs uh, and uh, reopening of the railroad through Abkhazia, which are the top of the list of demands of the two sides, as well as certain other mutual recognition. And that deal was wrecked by Misha Saakashvili uh, and by the Russians. I believe it was actually wrecked more specifically by Iraqi Okrish. You are correct. Um, you are then, correct. Then and the folklore goes that he's on the lawn outside some English country house together with Sergei Bagapsh. I may be wrong about Sergei Bagapsh. It might be somebody else. Um, I think it possibly was... Alasania. Alasania. It was Shamba. Shamba, that's exactly yeah, right. It was, it was Shamba the on the lawn. The They're about to cut the deal and a call comes through and it's Okrishvili and Misha on a conference call just screaming at him saying that he'll be, you know, he'll be, we'll throw him in jail, his career is over. Yeah, and, and how can you make a deal with them? Look what they did to your father. Exactly. I mean, the chutzpah. Oh my God, yep. unbelievable. Yep. Ugh. yep. And, you know, no, there's, there were a couple of pieces of how they, they wrecked it and... Okrashvili very, very deliberately, I mean, I'm not sure if we have the time for these details, but, but essentially, Okrashvili went after Imzar Kvitsiani, who was the warlord in uh, the Khadori Gorge, right, right. the Gorge, and the Abkhaz had said specifically, one thing that you need to not do in order for this to work is do not touch Imzar Kvitsiani, because he's the devil that we know, and that arrangement is an arrangement that we live with. And don't touch him. And right. it was specific. And then it, that was when Okarashvili said, "We have to take out Pizziani and put Ministry of Interior troops in there in in place of Pizziani's militia." Right. And that was done. Yeah, I remember. But, that. but, but anyway, the, the point is that that is an example that when Georgians and Abkhaz, which was Shamba and Alasani in this case, were speaking directly to each other, there there are there was a deal that could be worked out, right. uh, and neither Misha nor the Russians wanted that that deal to happen. Interesting. Um, Okay, Georgian, speaking of uh, getting practical here, another Georgian shepherd was detained by South Ossetian forces, then released last week. He's 58 years old. 
ethnically Ossetian, doesn't speak a whole lot of Georgian. He was detained with a priest whose release status is unre uh, unreported thus far. Abkhazian uh, opposition organization Amtschara um, has called for the resignation of President Raul Khajimba for being incompetent and creating a threat to the sovereignty of the state. They note that he has not managed to improve the socioeconomic status of the region, decrease crime and corruption, build a stable government, or implement meaningful reforms. Two conflicts broke out this week between Georgian, Ukrainian, and Russian paragliders in Gudaori. The second uh, flight resulted in uh, the hospitalization of one of the Russians with a concussion and a, a broken nose, sorry, second fight um, and a broken nose. Four Gudaori residents um, were charged with uh, assault and property damage. The arrest angered local residents who quickly blocked the Mscheta Stepanitsminda Larsi Road, um, are accusing foreign paragliders of provocations. The road was reopened after the Mscheta Tianeti police had said everyone would uh, either uh, be released within 48 hours or face only light punishment. This is actually a bigger deal than it might at first seem. So uh, there's video footage from the, the, the Russian guy's dash cam, because of course all Russians have dash cams, so don't, if you're going to beat up a Russian guy, don't do it in front of the car. <laughs> um, but, um, so it, it really speaks quite uh, about what we were saying about the Georgian dreams or the gov government's unwillingness to uh, take... Uh, action about certain unpalatable things. And what you have in Gadari is you have uh, these Ukrainian and Russian paragliders who are, by and large, pretty well trained, um, you know, uh, uh, have the official safety certifications and so on. And you've got a bunch of local guys who see that there's enormous amounts of money to be made in taking these tourists up on these tandem flights. Um, and so, it's, essentially, it's a, a turf war with the locals seeking to push out um, uh, the, uh, the the Ukrainians and Russians that have come in, and it's quite it's quite brutal and unpleasant. And hopefully, because this was all recorded uh, on that dash cam, they will be held accountable. Um, but certainly, it's it's according to people I know, most of the Ukrainians and Russians up there are not are going to go. They're going to leave, and that's going to be a bad for safety in Gudauri, and b just bad for Georgia as a tourist destination. In the same year that you had the lift, uh, the, the chairlift disaster, now you've got Russians getting beaten up for, for trying to start a business. This is not a good look for good hour. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, Starbucks appears once again to be coming to Tbilisi for the 47th time. A management job has appeared online, posted by a Turkish branch of a Kuwaiti franchise operator, Al-Shaya Group. The company also runs Starbucks in Azerbaijan and Turkey and franchises Victoria's Secret and Shake Shack, um, among other brands. Uh, as we know, after the U.S. bombed Serbia and the, you know, McDonald's there, that, that whole, uh, whole deal is over. So the, the new, um, place that you need to have to be a civilized country is Starbucks, and Georgians desperately want a Starbucks to be there. Um, although there seems to be plenty of good coffee around in, uh, in Georgia these days. Yeah. Um, unlike the old days. Um, although I miss the reading the coffee grounds thing that used to be so big in the 90s. Um, the recently released UNICEF welfare, as discussed, welfare monitoring survey in 2017 shows that Georgians have become poor since 2015. 16.4% uh, of families live in poverty, while last year that number grew to 19.6%. Poverty is defined as making less than 82 um, lari and 80 tetri per month. 72.6% of Georgian children live in households in poverty, unemployment has remained stable and high, and, increasing, um, and the increase in poverty rates is attributed to inflation, price hikes, and slow economic growth. 
So I just I just want to point one thing out about this about those economic numbers is that they 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 show I think the economic numbers what has to accompany that is numbers showing a greater increase in the disparity of wealth because my impression and I think statistics point it as well show it as well is that there has been fairly strong economic growth in Georgia yeah. especially compared to the region. Georgia per capita income in Georgia is now over $10,000. It's higher now significantly than Armenia, which used to always be higher than Georgia. Uh, economic growth is running around 5 or 6% a year, um, which is not that high compared to the boom days before 2008, but is still, you know, very very, good, very strong economic growth. And I, I really think what these what is probably happening in the economy is that what I would call the old Soviet middle class, people who are educated and have an educational basis are probably doing better. And people who... Uh, I can and, think of one guy that's doing particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> he happens to live in a large glass building. Yes, on a hill. But, 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 the Dr. Evil Castle. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I think what's going on is that, that especially with the big increase in tourism, uh, economic growth is benefiting a pretty broad swath of the middle classes in Georgia and certainly the upper classes and the elite have definitely been getting richer. There's no question about that. But the people who were always in the working classes and the less educated classes, that would be the urban poor as well as the rural people and the village people, their situation is getting worse. And that's why I think this UNICEF report is actually, to the extent that it's accurate, should be a – to a responsible government would have to be a big wake-up call for what it says about poverty in this country and the need to change government policy to direct it towards poverty alleviation. And that policy is quite complicated because, you know, the traditional way to deal with that is just hand out cash, um, which costs a lot of money, which has, you know, well, budgetary you can do some other things besides you that. You can do lots of other things. You can do things, education. I mean, you can do training. You can, you can underwrite do, loans. You, you can, can underwrite loans. Of course, there are more But I haven't, heard a whole, I haven't heard a whole lot of, uh, of stuff like that, particularly no, considering to, how num- the number of those households that are, that are pretty, uh, pretty indebted. Um, and, yes. You know, well, they just they just need to realize that that libertarianism is not you know the right thing to do everywhere and always. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, a little Keynesian economics sometimes is needed. Civil.ge has an awesome new historical project to uh, mark the 100th anniversary of the Georgian Republic in which they report on the events of the 1918 uh, of 1918 in real time. For example, on the 4th of June, they reported the government had concluded a treaty with the Ottomans in which the Ottoman Empire would take control of Achaltiche and Achalkalaki, as happened at around that time in 1918. They also, there are also images of written documents from the time, such as the Declaration of Independence of Telegrams from empty spaces on websites. Um, uh, more to come. Like, uh, check it out. We'll, uh, we'll put the link up on the, uh, on the forum. Jam News covered the recent Tbilisi metro strike from the workers' perspective. They note that wages uh, haven't increased since 2013, but the prices of food, fuel, and electricity have. They also, um, they're also unconvinced by arguments that policemen and other public workers get paid less than they do, instead encouraging them to demand fair pay for their work. Uh, metro workers have invited politicians to visit them for a normal day at work to understand why they're demanding what they are. I think that's quite right. I think the, yes. the, the metro, the, the point about, oh, well, teachers don't get paid very much, policemen don't. Well, I, mean, I think everyone in Georgia deserves a good salary uh, for their incredibly but, hard work. But not only that, the truth is that um, uh, metro operators, subway operators, and train engineers are paid more than teachers and policemen in just about any country. They're highly skilled people. They are highly skilled. It's an extremely dangerous job uh, in terms of the danger to themselves as well as the danger to the public. Um, it's just has has always been that way, and they are they are underpaid 
in Georgia and the metro system as a whole is underfinanced. OC Media wrote about the challenges faced by South Ossetian youth trying to build a cultural and artistic movement in a region blocked off uh, from almost everywhere except Russia, both physically and in terms of funding. Young people there want things um, youth have elsewhere, cafes to hang out in, art spaces, movie theaters, and most importantly, bowling alleys, uh, places to celebrate Ossetian culture. A nascent youth movement is there, but with no sources of money separate from politics, it's hard for them to do much other than uh, organize volunteer street cleanups and help out at the local nursing home. Chai Khanna wrote about, the, uh, about surviving the food crises of the 90s. The articles discussed life at that time, memories, food aid, foraging for mushrooms in Tbilisi, and some other fun uh, stories. The U.S. might have sent bison meat to feed Abkhazian refugees. Um, Mashallah News writes about the architecture and photography project Indigenous Outsiders, which is working on documenting Ajada's old wooden mosques. The Canadian-American Georgian team built the project uh, works, uh, behind the project works mostly in inland Ajada, documenting mosques built during the Ottoman periods that survived the Soviet period as storehouses or other utilitarian buildings, minus the minarets. The written record of these buildings is scarce, so project focuses mostly on, mostly on creating records with what there is currently, old wooden buildings, paintings, and some memories. The project exhibition opens next week in Tbilisi. More in the announcements. Sadism.com photographs Batumi's first fish market in uh, the Melik Moria. The formatting of the page is odd, but the photographs capture the culture, uh, the essence of the uh, small and aging fish market. All this stuff to read is posted on a forum. This week's dive bar number is three. The number of years the poet and diplomat Besiki accompanied the Russian field marshal uh, Potemkin during the Russo-Turkish War before dying abruptly in Moldova in 1791. Speaking of dive bar, for those of you listening today, um, I will be, and hopefully perhaps even our guest at dive bar in front of uh, Fabrica in the Fabrica Ezo at 10 p.m. tonight if anybody is listening and feels like, like stopping by. There's an anti-Russian occupation protest scheduled for Rustavelli at 7 p.m. on the 15th. Uh, that is uh, Friday, tomorrow, organized by New Imprint and Third Opposition that aims to reunite Georgians from all regions, worldviews, and whatnot in opposition uh, to the Kremlin and register their dis displeasures with serious recognition of Abkhazia and South Ossetia. From the 15th through the 23rd at the Jansun Kachidze Tbilisi Center for Music and Culture, will host a, a children's folk festival um, entitled... Mrazlamir, uh, featuring Bravo Jamie, probably. No, Wait, say it again. Bravo Jamie. Nicely done, Teto. Thank you for showing me up. You're never invited again. <laughs> featuring sorry. 13 different ensembles. Um, on Saturday, the 16th at 9 p.m., uh, Tbilisi's Noob Ziuri will show the Talking Heads concert film "Stop Making Sense" with Radio Tavisupleba journalist and music critic Nico uh, Nergadze. On Friday the 22nd at 6.30pm, uh, the exhibit Wooden Mosques, Islamic Architectural Heritage in Ajada opens at the National Research Center for Art and History um, and Preservation in Tbilisi. Uh, the 22nd is also the second anniversary of Basaini's controversial famous Harum Nights, their apply in advance queer friendly night, which runs from 11pm to 8am. On the 15th, from 2.30 to 5.30, the British Georgian Society will host its fifth British Georgian Society seminar at Cambridge. 
There will be a panel entitled Brexit, What's in it for Georgia, featuring Cambridge Russian and Caucasian historian Hubert Tisyan, Georgian ambassador to the UK, uh, Tamar, uh, Tamara Berchashvili, CEO of the European Business Association, George uh, David Lee, MP and British trade envoy to Georgia, Mark Pritchard, member of parliament, Cambridge Law and Public Policy Professor David ha uh, Hoath, and Tbilisi State Political Science Professor Corneli Kakachia. Uh, there will also be time for questions and drinks. Space is limited. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Uh, that's it for this week. My Twitter address is at TXTBUK. That's Tango X-Ray, Tango Bravo Uniform Kilo. Our email address is tbilpod, tblpod at gmail.com, or post to the forum on our website, tbilpod.com. And we will finish with, from Texas, mostly Sweetwater and outside of Houston, 2017, this is Brockhampton and Stupid. Carnival, my heart like a supreme panther. Going 100 speed, blowing steam, I throw a tantrum. Judging by my face, my eyes slit like a python. I think she might hate me for a lifetime. I, I, daddy cracking red drum, looping for the pipeline. Going up the world to leave my name, I'm going offline. I just want my shit to fit, Taylor J like Tiffany. Oh, they say I'm perfect, on my back, oh man, they killing me. Boys wanna play with my cell phone, but I don't want nobody to see what's in it. Boys wanna play with my cell phone, but I don't want nobody to see what's in it. Boys wanna play with my cell phone, but I don't want nobody to see what's in it. Boys wanna play with my cell phone, but I don't want nobody to see what's in it. America's favorite, I do my best and they hate it, it's like I'm stuck in the matrix, and I'm stuck losing patience, why they stuck on a day shift, I hate my boyfriend's fragrance, I'm a faggot, I say it, I scream that shit like I mean it, yeah I'm ugly and genius, I went from nothing to sleeping on John's couch to making people bounce at every show that sold out, you know what I'm talking about, but ghouls all in my dirty mouth, boys be on that silly shit, so Billy about to air them out.